is episode 13 covering week 12 of the 2023 NFL season. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon, uh, one of your two hosts, along with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Man, already 13 episodes this season, week 12. We're three quarters of the way through the football season. Um, this last push, uh, this next week, uh, week 13 is going to be the final bye week for everybody. So that is just a mad dash to the playoffs. Yeah. Only five uh, regular season weeks left. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy or four. Or, no, I don't know. Something like that. I bad at math. It's 18 weeks total. So five more weeks. Yeah. Five more weeks. All right. I'm, I'm in. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. So, and we're going to do our uh, three quarter poll power rankings this week as yep. well in this uh, episode, but do you <laughs> want to get in the game notes first or the uh, power rankings first? What are we doing? Well, we do game notes. I think first we'll do uh, just review that stuff just to give context for why we selected what we did after There's week no, 12. Yeah. No degenerate corner this week. Cause uh, you no, didn't even bet by yourself no. anything. No. Okay. I, you know what? The one game I was, I was, I texted a buddy of mine and was like, Hey, it's like, I really think the Raiders plus nine and a half is a good bet. And it looked great until like the fourth quarter. And then it blew up in my face. So. Yeah, that was an interesting game for sure. We'll we'll get into it though. All right, well let's just jump right into these uh, these games. Um, our first game uh, this week was Lions and Green Bay. Green Bay at Detroit. This is a Thanksgiving Day game. It was the first one. Literally um, the only. It was the only prime time game that was worth a damn this week. We had uh, some epic. We had some epic. Sorry, I, I don't mean prime time. Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football were some epically bad games. I thought the Miami New York Jets was a little intriguing um, for a couple of reasons. We'll uh, get into that, though. But, yeah, I think you're right uh, for the most part. The rest of the other matches were pretty lopsided. Um, I will say Green Bay, play one. Uh, uh, Jordan Love just drops a bomb 36, seven yard, or I'm sorry, 53 yards to Christian Watson to just kind of get that game rolling. Um, man, 12 minutes into the game, Detroit was down uh, 20 to six. This wasn't a good way for them to start. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My game notes for this one, uh, just run through real quick. Jordan love hits uh, Christian Watson for 53. First play of the game. Green by green Bay's offense offense continued shining. All day. Love throws for 268 and three touchdowns, shipping in 39 yards rushing uh, and had no turnovers, which was great. Jared Goff throws for 332 and two touchdowns, uh, no interception, but he fumbled three times, losing two yeah. of them, uh, yep. which was tough. Uh, Green Bay jumps out to a 23 6 halftime lead. Uh, Lions get it within a touchdown, 41 seconds to go, but that was all she wrote. Yeah, that's what I have. They, Detroit did have a rally late in this game, but had a turnover on downs on the Green Bay 12 with about five minutes left. That pretty much closed the door on a realistic comeback scenario. <clears throat> My spotlight this week is Jared Goof versus Jared Goff. So Jared Goff, fifth in passing yards this year, 3,075, 68 uh, completion percentage. Uh, 18 passes, uh, 18 pass touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and three game-winning drives. That's not uh, insignificant. Jared Goof, on the other hand, 13 total turnovers, eight picks, 
five fumbles, three multiple multiple turnover games, uh, and has turned over the ball has turned the ball over six times in two weeks, both against NFC North division opponents. So there's the kind of variance that you get with with a player like uh, Jared Goff. Um, I gave my game ball uh, to Christian Watson over 90 yards for the second time this season. Last time he did it was week two versus um, Las Vegas. He had 91 yards. Seems to be their biggest deep threat. He was the recipient of that uh, aforementioned uh, 53-yard touchdown, or uh, not touchdown, but pass to start the game. Um, he had five catches for 94 yards and a TD uh, in this game. So he he, uh, he had a pretty big game. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to this Washington at Dallas. This was the second game on Thanksgiving. Um, Dallas clearly was trying to set the tone for the first first half. Their drive stalled out due to some, a couple of incomplete passes by Dak. But the next two drives, they were pretty uh, Tony Pollard heavy. It's like, they, oh, wait, why are we going three and out right now? Let's just run the ball. We have the best line. Let's just do it. Uh, they ended up scoring on back-to-back possessions. Um Outside of a touchdown drive late second quarter, uh, Washington was not finishing drives. They went punt, punt, field goal. Uh, second half was uh, was ugly as well. Turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, pick six, end of game. Um, really, really poor game for the Washington uh, uh, commanders. Here's my oh. Okay, so Sam Howell throws for 300 yards and an interception. Uh, also runs in a touchdown. Uh, the interception was a pick six in the fourth quarter when the game was already over, though. Uh, you know, Dak, your boy Dak, or Rain, or whatever you want to call him, is playing ball right now, Mike, throwing for 330 and four touchdowns. So uh, let's 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 piggyback that for a second, because okay. he's my, my game ball. Also 67% completion. I've To your point, I've given Dak a lot of uh, shit last season for his propensity to turn the ball over. <laughs> But he ha- he just isn't doing that this year. Um, only seven turnovers, six interceptions, and a fumble so far this year. So that's pretty good. Uh, this week he looked accurate. He was taking shots downfield, um, dropping the ball in the bucket. Had a couple of uh, touch passes that looked great. Good play action fakes um, on these deep drops. Uh, he looks like he was the master of his dom- uh, domain this week. Yeah. No, he uh, he was looking good. So, yeah, spread the ball around to 10 different receivers was the last little bit of my uh, notes on him. Uh, yeah, and the real story of the game, I felt like, was the Dallas defense. Um, yep. And, you know, Washington's offense has been really good lately, and and uh, they were able to, to hold them to only 10 points. So Yeah, so let's spotlight Deron Bland. Uh, has it had his fifth and uh, record-breaking pick six of the year. He also led the teams in tackles this week. So really good day for him. Uh, congratulations to that guy. I think we talked about him last last week, fourth round pick out of Fresno State a, a year ago. Uh, comes in in relief of Trayvon Diggs and just goes out there and sets an NFL record. So good job by him. Absolutely. All right, third game, the trifecta. Um, not too pretty uh, for Seattle fans. It was San Francisco at Seattle. We talked last week about the Seattle team and these next uh, four game stretches. I think I predicted they'd go 0 for 4 over this stretch. And what I saw from the Seattle offense this week, it, it's not really changing my mind. I feel like San Francisco is unbeatable. Oh, side note, I was going to say unbeatable in those 95 throwbacks. They just look so clean. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I. 
So forty I, in my notes, I, I'm so like angry about this game, Mike, because I thought the Seahawks, I was just like, come and just show up to the game. Do something. For, 49ers yeah. take the ball, immediately drive down the field for a Debo touchdown run. Uh Seahawks get the the best kick return of their season, probably, and probably the best play of D Eskridge's career, returning the ball to the San Francisco 33 where the Seattle offense could muster one yard before kicking a field goal. Uh, the next four possessions end in three and uh, for the Seahawks uh, on offense end in three and out or an interception before going 41 yards on five plays in the last possession of the half to miss a field goal as time expired. Uh, Brock Purdy only throws for 209 and a touchdown uh, and, and had a pick six returned by Jordan Brooks in the third quarter. Christian McCaffrey chips in 114 um, and two touchdowns. Seahawks offense is abysmal right now, but uh, we're without our. Well, let's let's pause for a second. I'm I'm not I'm not throwing this team out with the the bathwater here. I thought I'm going to put a spotlight on the Seattle defense. Um, The final score really doesn't show it, but I think this score is a function of of the ineptitude of the aforementioned uh, Seattle offense. Four of the 10 Seattle possessions started inside their 15-yard line. Um, and they're, they're, they weren't digging out of it, right? So they were losing field position all, all week, which put, or all game, which puts the defense in a bind most of the time. And I thought they played very well. That pick six that you had mentioned, um, I, I think they're good. They're getting pressure up front. I'm, I'm happy with our um, our secondary for the most part. I think we're a little weak in the middle to stop the run, um, but we've been able to get pressure on quarterbacks and, and uh, get these guys stopped in the backfield sometimes to help kind of, you know, mask that. So I would say if there's a, if there's a highlight of this particular game for Seattle, definitely be that defense. Um, I'm looking forward to see what they can uh, pull off, you know, the rest of the season. I did see a stat and I'm not, I should have written it down, but it was something along the lines of when anybody but Quandre Diggs was being targeted by Brock Purdy. He was, he had like a 22 QBR and they barely gave up any yards passing to him. Um, but with, like, I think of those 209 yards, I think I said that he threw for, yeah, 209 yards and a touchdown. Um, like 184 of those yards were when he was targeting Quandre Diggs. So well, uh, he, Diggs is a safety, so he's not really guarding these guys one on one. But it looks like they're just catching him, you know, where he's uh, over yeah, the I mean, top. I think, they, I, I, I think I, they just counted as whoever's the closest defender to the. Receiver. Maybe, maybe, but I think that's an unfair stat. But I, I definitely get your point. Uh, he is a bit of a risk taker, which is good because he can get some turnovers. But sometimes he give up some some shots downfield. Um, my game ball, I got, I'm giving out two of them. CMC, you mentioned 139 all-purpose, two touchdowns. And I'm going to give Debo Samuel one. Really the engine uh, in a lot of ways for this passing game. 94 all-purpose yards. He had that nice run uh, for a touchdown as well. So, um, yeah, good job by those guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's Brat- Black moving. Friday, first one ever, right? And the reason that they uh, haven't been able to do this is because there's a law. There's a rule, a law, I don't know. There's a rule that says you can't have a game go past 6 p.m. Uh, is it Eastern or something like that? Um, maybe it's specific. I'm not sure. Anyways, 
they have to get them in and out of there before six as to not compete with high school and college football. It's part of the agreement that Congress says you can be a monopoly, monopoly, but you have to you can only play your games within certain guidelines. So this is a very unique uh, thing for us uh, this time of the year. Um, so um, Miami at the New York Jets and they're all black unis uh, game was pretty much um, happened the way I expected it. Tyreek TD uh, turnover by Tua, multiple turnovers by New York Jet quarterbacks, uh, New York Jet, you know, offensive ineptitude. It's kind of like the summary of this game. Yeah, you know, I had even though the score was somewhat close at halftime, I mean, 17 to seven, I guess one was off of a Tua. I guess the two quarterbacks exchanged pick sixes um, at some at in the end of the first half. Um, but Tua threw two interceptions in the last minute of the game, which are the half, which doesn't, doesn't look great. Uh, the game. Was yeah. Never- so he throws the pick six and then he, then he throws another interception to the sideline and then uh, they get them in a, uh, like a fourth down, like Hail Mary scenario. And, and Tim Boyle throws like a, an interception on the goal line and it's ran back like 99 yards. Uh, first yeah. time in history or something like that. I don't know. It's that insane. Was pretty, pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. Um, but yeah, so I had, this game was never really in doubt, but, um, we really need to attack by Loa to stop turning the ball over. He throws for 243 and a touchdown, but he has two interceptions and a fumble. Uh, Tyreek gives, or Tyreek Hill gets in, uh, gets a, gives a new touchdown ball to his new wife. Raheem Mostert goes for nearly a hundred yards and two touchdowns and Jalen Waddle goes over a hundred yards on the day. So let's let's just pause for a sec. So I have Tyreek Hill as my um, my, with gets my game ball, 102 and a touchdown. I think more than that is how he tilts that field. Every time he goes in there, you have to pay attention to him. He's in constant motion, runs routes from all positions. His gravitational pull helps players like Mostert, who ended up with 94 yards and two touchdowns because you're so focused on one guy. Um, it's hard. I mean, he's obviously the best chance for non-quarterback to be MVP. Um, and if if you're looking for, uh, it's a rough quarterback year. Um, so if you're looking for a quarter a non-quarterback to uh, be MVP this year, I would I would definitely uh, put some money down on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he's he's special, man. I mean, him with the ball in his hands is unreal. So yeah, yeah. on him. All right, I'm going to put a spotlight on Miami here. I think they're soft. I've been saying this uh, before. Uh, for me, there's still something missing with this team. Um, clearly, there's a, week, a way to beat uh, Miami, and it's to get to Tua early and often. Um, their next three games are against good defenses, but nothing to be really scared about. I think the final three games will tell us all we need to know about Miami. Uh, they play Dallas. They're at Baltimore and Buffalo to finish up their season. I don't have a lot of faith. Uh, in the teams, uh, a lot of faith in teams going into playoffs with a losing streak. So um, if they limp into the playoffs somehow uh, after losing two of those last three or something like that, um, I would really question how good this team really is uh, when it comes to when you match them up against other championship teams, potential championship teams. Yeah, my last little piece of my note was just that I'm not sure that Tim Bo- Tim Boyle and the Fighting Jets could win this game if they played ten times. Uh, the Jets' defense is good, but it seems like they're getting worn down, and the offense is just disgusting. 
they only totaled 159 yards on the day. You can see the defense. Like, early on in the season, it was they'd hold out, and then all of a sudden the dam would break at the end of the game, right? Um, now the, the, dams, the defensive dam is breaking at halftime or just into the third quarter, and teams are starting to put points on them. So it is definitely hard to be – again, we talk about those levered situations or bat, having your offense – not being able to control, uh, you know, uh, field position very well. Your de- your defense ends up having to defend um, short fields most of the game, and that's really hard. You can't make any mistakes. Uh, you can't, you know, you, you, you can't misread a route. You can't uh, be a second slow on your pass rush or a second late, you know, trying to cover the middle. Um, and, and that st- kind of stuff just happens. It happens. Every people aren't perfect, and you have to be uh, in those scenarios with this with an offense this bad. Yeah. All right. All right. Speaking of bad offense, uh, New Orleans at Atlanta. Um, I'll just say this: I really like the red helmets with the black jerseys. I think that is kind of like a really classic look that I really I really like. Uh, after the win, Atlanta is at the top of the NFC South. So congratulations. If the playoffs started today, you're playing Dallas. I don't think there's any chance that any one of these teams in the NFC South really do any damage in the playoffs. So congratulations, Atlanta or New Orleans, or maybe even Tampa Bay. You might sneak into the playoffs, but I would say you're not going to have much of a chance playing uh, any of the teams that actually make it in there. Yeah, I had a... Uh... New Orleans offense kicked five field goals and that's it. Uh, Derek Carr throws for 300 yards, but also has a pick six. Uh, Alvin Kamara has a combined 119 yards and Chris Olave before leaving with an injury has seven receptions for 114 yards. Um, Bijan Robinson, Mike is to me is really starting to, uh, you know, form into shape here with what we thought he could be at 123 all purpose yards, two touchdowns. Um, a rushing and a receiving, yeah. yeah. Falcons are able to um, overcome the two Desmond Ritter interceptions to hold on for first place as the announcer of the game put it in the division. Nobody wants to win. Yeah, um, I did have Bichon as my game ball uh, winner this week. Um, there's like some weird stuff in the middle of the season about him not playing or what or he just wasn't in the game for some reason, some weird cryptic Arthur Smith bullshit. Um, and then all of a sudden these last two games has really kind of been out there and doing some stuff. So uh, good job by him. Um, I'm going to spotlight the Atlanta running game. It seems like Arthur Smith finally said F it and just ran the ball 40, 41 times. So they ran about 60 plays. 41 of them are going to be runs. He finally took the ball out of Desmond Ritter's hands. <laughs> who despite only 21 attempts managed to managed to throw two of those attempts to the other team, as you mentioned. So that was, that was quite funny. I don't think Desmond Ritter's good. Um, he has moments, moments of brilliance, a moment of a good throw or something, but then it's just like the rest of the, you know, three fifths or three fourths of the game is just garbage. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. He's uh, I don't know if he's the answer, Mike, but, you know, I mean, I guess they got to go. I guess he was playing a little better than Taylor Heineken. Why didn't they take a shot at Lamar, Lamar Jackson? Why didn't they give him there's the guaranteed like, money? There's probably five teams that should be asking themselves. I mean, why didn't Seattle take a shot at Lamar Jackson? How would Lamar Jackson look with that Seahawks defense right now? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we had the cap space, but yeah. 
Yeah. All right. We'll see. Anyways, live and learn. All right. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. I miss Joe Burrow. Jake and Bake look fine, but, uh, you know, Pickett made a couple of decent throws. But this game really came down to the which defense was going to break first. And unfortunately, it was Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to put a little spotlight on this uh, Pittsburgh offense after I said all of that. They finally hit 400 plus yards in total offense for the first time uh, in the Matt Canada era. So apparently had 400 yards the game before Matt Canada took over and 400 yards the game after he was fired. So um, we might be seeing some some offensive output finally uh, in in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I put Pittsburgh after firing Matt Canada uh, had an offensive explosion with 421 yards. Their first game going over 400 yards in the last 58 games. That's freaking crazy to me. Uh, Kenny Pickett throws for season high 278 with no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Jalen Warren fumbles the ball early and it seemed like Najee Harris uh, got kind of thrust back into the lead roll back or the lead back roll after that totaling 99 yards and a touchdown. Jake Browning doesn't look terrible. And I, I don't know if I actually texted you or if I was about to text you uh bragging about him he's a you know former husky uh and then he throws an interception uh throws an interception immediately uh, after that so uh, he doesn't look terribly through for 227 touchdown the interception uh and pittsburgh just completely shuts down the uh cincinnati running game oh yeah to your point jake browning didn't play poorly um he had a, he looked good on that touchdown drive um, I would say he's just not Joe Burrow. Like when you have a very little running game, there's you you can't make a lot of mistakes. And uh, Joe Burrow was a mistake eraser. Uh, Jake Browning is not. So that's kind of what ended up happening this game. Um, I um, to your point, I gave Najee uh, Harris my game ball. Um, somebody just pulled his string today. Like you're up, bud. And he went in there and did what he had to do. Uh, they really needed kind of like the thunder over the lightning this week. Um, it didn't look like Warren was, you know, getting going and all that kind of other stuff. So they just brought in the the hammer and just uh, set him free today. And he, he did what he needed to do to get this really close divisional win. Uh, 16-10 Steelers beat the, the Bengals there. Yeah. Every point counts in those matches. Yes, yes. All right. Carolina at Tennessee. Um, I have a little bit of a QB comparison here. Uh, to me, Will Levis looked really good in the first uh, touchdown drive. He went seven for seven with 80 yards. He didn't do much outside of that, though. Um, I would like to see him kind of be a little bit more consistent with this play. Um, as far as Bryce Young, uh, we talked about this before. He's he's way too willy-nilly out there. Kind of slow drop backs, drop, uh, throws off his back foot a lot. Um, makes some throws off platform. This this makes him like a tick behind on almost every throw. Um, I think the NFL game is way too fast for him, and it doesn't appear that he has any real good teachers on that Carolina coaching staff. So that's a, to me a re- recipe for disaster. Um, to help him understand, we need they need to help him understand why it's important to hit that back foot uh, with those tight windows and why it's important to torque from your core when you drive the ball. He's just an arm thrower. He doesn't use his ball as his body is all at all in, in the, in the motion. I think that's really gonna um, uh, really impact how, you know, what his legacy is going to be in the NFL. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my notes for this one, it's getting really ugly on offense for the Panthers. Uh, they fire Frank Reich without even, without him even making it a full season because uh, from the, the reports because of uh, their concern for Bryce Young's development. Uh, Young throws for 194 and loses a fumble. Um, Chuba Hubbard uh, only rushes for 45 yards, but uh, gets the lone Panthers touchdown. Uh, Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things, rushing for two touchdowns on 75 yards. Uh, and then Will Levis throws for 185 and has no turnovers, which is a positive. All right. So my game ball goes to Derrick Henry. I mean, he's probably kind of the most influential person on the field this uh, on that day. Uh, his previous two games were pretty bad, 24 yards and 34 yards, respectively, against uh, Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. Uh, this week, 76 and two touchdowns. Uh, I'm going to spotlight Will Levis here. There's something about him. He has a live arm. Um, it's really he's out there competing. Um, he's throwing, you know, throwing tough uh, balls into tight windows. Um, we saw him compete versus uh, Pittsburgh, so we we know he wants to, you know, he wants to do this. Um, the, his numbers aren't blowing my hair back, so but he's definitely promising. So I'm looking forward to kind of what he looks like as we move forward. Um, I think at the very least, Tennessee can focus on other things in the draft this year, other than quarterback, you know, shoring up that offensive front, finding some depth on, you know, on the defensive line, getting some linebackers in there, maybe looking at cornerbacks or safeties, some wide receivers. They need a lot of like skill uh, talent getting added to that. They need an, uh, like a, a, a different back, different style back for Derek, you know, to, to complement Derek Henry. So I'm interested to see how they, um, how they proceed once we get to the uh, the draft. All right, I got a bit of a hot take for you though. Okay. Is Will Levis better than Justin Fields? What's your take? Yes. Yes. You've seen you've seen enough from seen like enough, a pocket I've passing seen, perspective. I've seen enough of Justin Fields to think that he is not an elite quarterback and not that Will Levis is, but I mean, at least you still have that potential that he could be. I think I agree with you. I was kind it, of thinking about it. it like if you were, big... if you were Chicago, who would you rather have? Yeah. I, I, I feel like, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's essentially it's a coin toss, but I mean, I think, You've seen enough from how, how about this? Is Chicago going to take them up on the fifth year option? And are they going to give him a second contract? It seems no. like it's they it would be stupid to do that. No, especially not if they end up with that number one pick from Carolina. There's no chance. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. Moving on. Tampa at um, Indianapolis. Um, Baker had an egregious interception in the first quarter. Like I looked at it. I'm, I stopped the tape. And I'm not sure what he was seeing or what happened. He was clearly just staring down Evans and he was surrounded, absolutely surrounded by Indianapolis defenders. I counted four that were within three yards uh, when he threw that ball. Um, to me, this is the epitome of the Baker Mayfield experience. It's two amazing throws to Mike Evans for a touchdown and also a hor and this horrible throw. So uh, welcome to the Baker Mayfield uh, <laughs> ride. Roller coaster. Right. No doubt. 
Yeah, I had Baker Mayfield throws for just under 200 yards, two touchdowns, and an egregious interception while taking six sacks. Uh, Rashawn White runs for 100, and Mike Evans goes for 70 and two touchdowns. Mike's looking good out there for sure. Yeah, he is. He really is. Uh, Gardner Minshew throws for 250 yards and an interception, but adds in a running touchdown. And You know, he's my spotlight this week, uh, Gardner Minshew. He's uh, four and three as a starter and has this team right now in the seventh seed of the AFC playoff bracket. So, I mean, I'm not sure I'm picking him in any like pickup game or anything like that, but for what the Indianapolis Colts are right now, he seems to at least be, you know, bridging that gap. So um, you're going to, you're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. He has my game ball. I'll, I'll give the floor to you. Uh, yeah, I had Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, really starting to round into form, running for 91 and two touchdowns. Um, unfortunately, injures his hand somehow or thumb maybe, and, and is going to be out the two, three weeks or something like that, right? Yeah, he's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, and then Michael Pittman returns from the dead and uh, caught 10 balls for 170 yards. Just a blip, that guy. Not a one. So one of the things I wanted to call out for Jonathan Taylor, as that game started to kind of wind down, it was really helpful to have such a such a good running back in there, somebody with the power and the speed, able to get those first downs, keep that chain moving, uh, keep the clock running, and just it allows a team who is limited in explosive power and, and skill position to grind these games out. So um, I think it's a huge asset for teams it's unfortunate they're gonna they're really gonna miss him because I don't think Moss can do that uh, as well. So hopefully they can figure it out. Yeah. No. All right. Anything anything around this game? Anything else? That's it. That's it for me. All right. We are gonna co- go to the POS game of the week: uh, New England at the New York Giants. Uh, New England's toast. Their quarterback situation is really bad. Uh, the Zappy Jones two-headed monster combined for a whopping 136 zero tds and three interceptions good job by them yeah you know mike the terror my my know this is such a freaking atrocious game the terrible new england patriots situation is or t- terrible new england quarterback situation is only getting worse they come that bailey zappy and mac jones combined for three interceptions and 143 passing yards uh, Ramondre Stevenson, the lone bright spot on their offense, going for almost 100 yards on the ground uh, and a touchdown. Uh, our boy Tommy DeVito throws for 191 and a touchdown and lost a fumble. Uh, New England has a chance to tie the game at the very end, but the kicker missed. And Patriots fans everywhere hopefully breathe the sigh of relief with that. Yeah, so to that point, New England is 2-9 and nine, uh, after this game, currently third uh pick in the draft if it were if the season ended today um they finish with the chargers at pittsburgh casey at denver apple at buffalo and then at home versus the jets I, I don't see a way how they can kind of win in this in this group with these two touchdowns or the with these two quarterbacks rather um if they finish in the top three what do you, th- they're not known for using their first round pick, a high first round pick. So they typically trade back. Now, well, they, Belichick they, they is really both have. the head coach. 
they never really have high first round picks though either. Well, that might be a good point as well. But nonetheless, does do you think he trades back or does he probably could get Drake May? I think he or did. Caleb, depending on who who I picks think first. If, yeah, I think if one of the two quarterbacks is there, they probably go that direction. I mean, that and this is saying even if what about Penix? What about I mean, do you, I don't think do, those we, guys, I mean, I guess you could trade back and get one of those guys for sure. There, there's a number, but you can't them. you can't guarantee that these those guys are going to be available. If you're looking at how bad the quarterback play is, and not only that, let's think about one year when your starting quarterback goes down, who is behind them? I think if you look at several teams this year, there isn't a lot of depth past that starting quarterback, and right. it really can kill a team's momentum, especially if you have a feeling like let's let's use the New York Jets for example, right? They had probably a top 10 quarterback ready to go week one with that great defense. And I, I projected them to win the, the East, um, but at least make the playoffs. He goes down game one and it's nothing but shit behind him, right? They can't move the ball at all. If you have a somewhat productive, maybe even a Josh, Josh, uh, Josh Dobbs, somebody a little bit better than that. Um, maybe that equation is different for them. So there is depth and value in some of these uh, quarterbacks that might go a little bit later. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes, I guess. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm going to give my, my uh, game ball to Jalen Hyatt. Um, five catches, one Oh nine. He uh, had almost 60% of DeVito's passing output this week. So big, uh, big uh, link up for those two. Yeah, no, good for good for him for sure. All right, so uh, Jacksonville at Houston. This was probably the best game in the early window this week. Um, it was on our games to watch uh, from last week. How did you feel about this game? Uh, funny because my first uh, sentence that I wrote down was probably one of the two best games of the week. Um, you know, it was it was awesome. I enjoyed it more than I can even tell. This is like the best game I watched. Of the, I mean, between this and the, the Bills Eagles game, um, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence throws for three sixty four, um, 364 yards, uh, passing, uh, has how many touchdowns did he have passing? I think I screwed up my notes there, but yeah, also had a rushing touchdown. He had, he had one passing, he had one passing one, okay. touchdown. One passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, an interception. C.J. Stroud goes for 302 touchdowns and runs for 46 and a third touchdown. Uh, Houston looks like uh, looked like they had a chance to drive down and score a touchdown at the end of the game. Um, had to settle for a, a very long field goal that bounced off the crossbar. Yeah, right there. And, and like even it, the funny thing. And Amendola, it, let, let's not let's. So Amendola is the backup. Fairbairn got hurt, hamstring or quad or something like that, and is on IR. So Amendola comes up off the couch, and they put him in a position to kick, I think, what was his um, career long at the time, like 58 yards or something right. like that. And it just, he was right there. It was right down center, uh, right down Broad Street. Yeah, and just kind of left it a little short. A foot, a foot further, it probably hits that crossbar and goes in, or you know, goes through. But yep, hits the backside. Yep, tough. Man. You know, that's how it goes. Game of inches, they say, right? Yeah. But, All right. Uh, so, 
you know, I yeah, put that my last little note was that Houston's probably my favorite team to watch right now. CJ Stroud is is fun. Um, and you know, I love the kind of the Steph Curry, the his own personal Steph Curry comparison. Like, I'm just gonna keep shoot or shoot. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I like his attitude a lot. Um, so in 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 that vein, me the key the game ball goes to the quarterbacks. I'm going to throw in uh, the losing quarterback in this as well. Uh, as you mentioned, both Trevor and CJ threw for 300 yards. Both were over 60% completion. Uh, CJ had 72 in this game. They both had a rushing touchdown. Um, and question posed to you, is this the best intra-division QB matchup in the NFL right now? I have a couple that you can compare to. Tua versus uh, Yolo Josh Allen. Lamar versus Burrow, Mahomes versus uh, Herbert, Hertz versus Dak. I think that's the short list. I mean, I I'd probably throw they're better than Hertz and Dak. Yeah, um, I would say maybe. If I it, it's this, uh, yeah, I would say Burrow, a healthy Burrow versus Lamar is probably number one for me. I think Mahomes and. Herbert's a good argument as well, but oh, yeah, a, I mean, I, but, but they're right there. I mean, clearly they're top four. They're, uh, they're Mount Rushmore of QB interdivisional intra-divisional matchups. All right. So I wanted to call us to give a spotlight, uh, to the Jacksonville defense. A couple of weeks ago, you asked me a question, basically is the Jacksonville defensive defense good? Um, it appears that answer to that question is yes. Uh, they held the Houston offense under 400 yards. They had four sacks for 43 yards, seven QB hits. I think one of the things that they were doing is they were collapsing the pocket. There wasn't a particular drive where I go, Jacksonville is um, dominating. But Shroud, Shroud was under duress the entire game. They were just collapsing that pocket around him. They were forcing him to run out and make plays with his feet. Um, anytime you can get that level of pressure on the opposing uh, quarterback, uh, it's going to be good for your team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, Cleveland at Denver. This is interesting one. Um, I'm not sure how stats work, I guess, because DTR and Russell had near identical stat lines, but their QBRs were 34.6 and 89.2 respectively, and their quarterback rating was 73.1 to 91.9 respectively. I have no idea what any of those numbers mean when you look at this game and their stat lines are almost identical. I, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's like smoke and mirrors maybe, but very interesting game. Yeah. Yeah, man. This, uh, you know, I am, uh, I'm definitely a Denver Broncos hater, but Jesus Christ, man, they're getting, the defense is getting better every week. And I, you know, I saw a funny comparison on Twitter or something. Denver is basically playing Seattle's like 2010 through 2016 offense right now uh, and using Russell Wilson the same way that Pete Carroll used to use or Pete Carroll and the Seahawks used to use them while um, the Seahawks are doing something that I don't even know what the hell's going on. Anyway. Uh, Russell only throws for 134 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Uh, rushed for 30. So did DTR exactly. Yeah, and and then uh, Andy rushed for 34 and another touchdown. 
Uh, DTR gets injured and replaced by PJ Walker, who had very little success. He's in concussion protocol too. Yeah, yeah. And DTR throws his first uh, touchdown the NFL to get the Browns within two in the third quarter. But Denver's defense, and he started crying immediately. Yeah, Denver's defense shuts everything down after that. Uh, and so pause for a second. Getting I, a safety that, at the end of the game. Sorry. Defense, defense gets my my game ball. Four sacks, seven QB hits. Held Cleveland to 269 yards. Held Cleveland to 22% on third and fourth down conversions. Forced three turnovers. Really good day for that def- uh, Denver defense. Again, forcing turnovers. They've been a turnover machine over this win streak. Um, I'm actually going to shine a little spotlight on Russell Wilson here in the Denver running game. Uh, they had a total of 169 rushing yards. To your point. Uh, earlier kind of playing the old day where he would step out and kind of get a first down when they needed it. Um, he actually had a couple of designed runs. It looks like uh, Russell did. Um, they were the, the interior offensive linemen were dominating the Cleveland front seven. Uh, they were running P Ryan right up that gut for big chunk yards uh, all game. They just didn't really find an answer for that. Russell doing was doing everything he needed to do to move the sticks, audibling into the runs, calling his own number and a key, you know, just the key first down in the red zone. Um, man, playing pretty well right now, although the stats aren't like astronomical. A fun fact for this game also, uh, this is the first time in NFL history that the final score of a game was 29 to 12. A little scorigami for you. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, Mike, I forgot one just brief note from the Bengals game that I wanted to add in uh, about James. No, Rodney. we're we're past that. We're moving on. Care. We're, we're moving on to the it. Dolphins. I have to do it because okay. of the because uh, of the Husky <laughs> yeah. Husky connection. So, Jake Browning's touchdown pass, one touchdown pass in the game was to Drew Sample, who's who were they were teammates at the University of Washington, uh, and you know University of Washington had like a number of of quarterbacks play in the NFL and they've added quite a few uh skill position players that's the first time ever that a Washington Husky alumni quarterback has thrown a touchdown pass to a Washington Husky skill position player oh interesting little fact little yeah. little nugget yeah. Husky nugget Husky nugget. normally you don't want to you don't want to step on those so. no all right uh huh they said no you do not <laughs> All right. Uh, Rams at Arizona. Weird game this one. Uh, Rams were pretty efficient scoring on six of their 10 drives. It's pretty crazy. This game uh, from Arizona was no different than any other this year, keeping it pretty close in the first half, but not able to, to continue to hold it together as the game progresses. So that's kind of been their their MO this, this year, playing pretty hard. Like, wow, this Arizona team looks good. They're running the ball well. Oh, they're driving down. Oh, touchdown by Kyler Murray. And then the wheels fall off. And that's what happened on this game. Yeah, I had uh, Matt Stafford was slinging it, um, you know, throwing for two third, only 230 yards, but four touchdowns. And he had an interception. Uh, Tyler Higby and Kyron Williams both caught two of those touchdowns. Williams also uh, chips in 143 yards on the ground in his first game back after uh, going on the injured reserve earlier this season. Uh, Kyler Murray throws for 256, a touchdown, another rushing touchdown, and had no turnovers, which is good for him. Uh, and the Rams just overwhelmed Arizona, and um, you know they they could be potentially getting getting right because you know they got 
Cooper Cup's healthy now. Matt Stafford's healthy now. I mean, they could go on a little bit of a run. I know they, even though we're the Seahawks have lost two games to them, I know I think we still have a two game lead over them um, in the the standings. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out down the down the stretch here. Both the Rams and the Packers, I think, are gonna be interesting to see how they they kind of go the rest of the way. You know, that's a very good call out. And I had the same thought. My spotlight was that I think the the Rams are going to actually make the playoffs this year. I think they're going to knock out either Seattle or Minnesota. And I'm seeing a surging Green Bay team as well. Um, and I think they're playing right now. Sometimes we forget it takes some time for these younger teams to gel. Both of these teams are very, very young. And I mean, I'm so impressed by the Rams secondary. Like I said uh, last week, it felt like every time I was watching uh, the game, it looked like there was 15 people out there. They were just ball hawks. They're all around it. They're, they just, I, I'm it. They have that that team playing amazing right now. And if you can keep Stafford upright and healthy, that dude has a cannon still. Uh, and with an arm like that, and those those receivers. And you got Tyron Williams out there who has my game ball this week, had a ma- massive fantasy day, 204 all-purpose and, and two touchdowns. When you can put all those together and you got that front four uh, for the, on that defensive side, man, those are the components that you're going to need to to get into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's go on to this Kansas City at Las Vegas. This was the game that you, for a moment, were thinking about at uh, what Las Vegas plus nine and a half. Yeah. Um, I had made some comments about Aiden O'Connell. I kind of was like, he, he doesn't have it. Just bad decisions. It's not accurate. Blah blah blah. Um, he did a lot better in this game, at least early on. He looked like a different player. And again, I always forget. He's a rookie. It's going to take some time. He's got to take some lumps. But he seems to continue to be progressing a little bit. Uh, It was his passing in a 61-yard run by uh, Josh Jacobs that got Las Vegas up by 14 early. Um, I think Mahomes is like this cheat code. Um, I mean, that's not news to anybody to say. But I think what happens is your defense can give up 14 points early in a game. And kind of figure out what's happening and kind of, you know, make adjustments because you have Mahomes there. There's that level of comfort. You don't get too worried. You're not that pressure doesn't hit you quite the same as it might with another quarterback. Um, He's such an important component to this team. Um, Man, uh, they and and they did. They came back. Um, Mahomes always keeps it close. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just really fun to watch him um, not only just kind of move the ball up and down the field, but also watch his team with confidence, um, even the defense out there. Like, all right, we got Mahomes. I think we're good. Let's just calm down. Let's focus on the things that we do. Let's make some adjustments. Oh, they're doing this a lot. Let's, let's, let's stop that, make him do something else. And then we know Mahomes is going to put 17 points up on the board, and I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have my notes for this one. Vegas jumps out to a 14-point lead before the Chiefs uh tied the game just before halftime. Uh and then the second half, Chiefs outscore them 17 to 3. 
250 yards. Um, yeah. So that, that's the thing that after that, that first quarter barrage or whatever, um, their offense was only able to muster three, three points that Las Vegas offense. So that's the adjustment we're talking about. Right. In that second half. Right. I think this is supposed to say Aiden O'Connell throws for 250 yards at a touchdown and uh, Josh Jacobs runs for 110 and a touchdown. Uh, Pat, but Patrick Mahomes, you know, throws for nearly 300, two touchdowns, and uh, Isaiah Pacheco goes for 55 and, and a couple touchdowns. But the guy that I was uh, intrigued to see playing so well, because one of the reasons I was thinking that this was a good bet um, for the Raiders was uh, rookie Rasheed Rice catches eight balls for just over 100 yards and a touchdown, including a 39-yard absolute dime from Patrick Mahomes. Great throw. Yeah, it was a good throw. Um, my game ball goes to Mahomes. Uh, just two yards shy of 300, two touchdowns, almost 80% on 34 passes today. So he's very accurate. That's like bonkers numbers there. Um, I want to do a little spotlight on Las Vegas, who is uh, five and seven right now, and they host Min- uh, Minnesota, uh, the Chargers. They're at KC, at Indiana, and then uh, finish the the year with uh, with Denver at home. Now, if you believe that ten and seven is a baseline for making the AFC playoffs, then I don't see how they, they can make it in there. Um, they will need a like a five game winning streak essentially, um, which is going to be pretty difficult with the kind of the lineup they have. I would say Chargers play them tough. At KC is going to be a tough one. Even at Indiana, that that team, the Colts, you can't even predict who shows up. Um, and then Denver has been really tough down the stretch this year, and they're still competing for a playoff spot. So I would say, what do they call that first team out um, when you're talking about the NCAA uh, basketball bracket? First team oh, out. I think I yeah. think Las Vegas is uh, one of those first, first team outs. Out. Yeah. Out or whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. That's funny. All right. right. Let's move on to Buffalo, Philly. Um, Man, this one had me a little nervous. Uh, Kelly Green is undefeated this year. Uh, Philly is 2-0 when wearing the throwbacks. Um, There was a bit of a controversy around the penalty uh, distribution in this game. Buffalo was penalized um, 11 times uh, for 90 yards versus uh, four times for 30 yards for Philly. I was just thinking, like, if you're a referee in Philly, right, and you start throwing a lot of penalties against the Eagles. Um, it reminds me of that. You remember that movie Escape from New York yeah, where uh, Snake Bliskin has to come in and get out of uh, Manhattan with the, with the president? I just feel, okay, hear me out. Wyatt Russell, his son, plays the role of Sean Hockley, right? He and his crew have to make it from the stadium to the secure airport to avoid certain death if they're caught by the thousands of rabid Eagles fans. So – Honestly, I would I would flag the Bills eleven times as well. Good lord, that's my pitch. <laughs> All right. So I had a pretty long uh, set of notes for this. Uh, you know, the, this game was the best game of the day, maybe the best game of the season. Uh, Buffalo gets out to a ten point lead at halftime. Uh, the teams exchange touchdowns in the third quarter. Buffalo is still ahead by ten at the end of the third quarter. And then the most exciting quarter slash overtime I've ever seen that I've seen this year ensued. Jalen Hurts throws for two touchdowns, one to Devontae Smith and one to whatever Zacharias. 
uh, to take a four-point lead. Buffalo comes back. Josh Allen throws a touchdown to Gabe Davis to go ahead by three. Jalen Hurts is able to drive down the field to set up uh, the game-tying field goal as time expired. Then in overtime, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis have a mix-up. Uh, and I don't know if somebody – if Gabe Davis ran the wrong route, Josh Allen threw the wrong pass, was, whatever. I, they're saying it's an option route. So okay. Gabe took the wrong option. Okay, so uh, it would have ended up, it would have resulted in a touchdown and a victory for Buffalo. Instead, they have to f- settle for a field goal, and Jalen Hurts is able to lead the Eagles down the field and scramble. So for let's twelve yard. Let's just explain how the game. how the overtime works a little bit for the audience. In a situation where you go to overtime, and the first team that possesses the ball gets a field goal, then the second team has an opportunity to possess the ball. Now, if they go down and score a touchdown, game over. If they go down and score a field goal, then it's next points win. Mike, if anybody's been listening to this fucking podcast for the last 57 minutes and they don't know how an NFL overtime works, I I don't know what you're doing with your life. But thank you for explaining that. Lots of things. Lots of important things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I had the other thing, the last few notes I had, Josh Allen accounts for 420 yards, four touchdowns and an interception, uh, leading his team in rushing and passing. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts throws for 200 only. All right, um, all right. Pause for a second, dude. Yeah. You're, just, you're just going right into it. Yeah. So I have, I have Josh as my spotlight. Okay. I won't go into the numbers you already gave it. Uh, he did everything he could to have this victory. Game ball goes to Jalen Hurts. All right, action. What do you got? All right, Hurts goes for 203 touchdowns, uh, also has an interception, um, and rushes for 65 yards and two more touchdowns. But he also did lose a fumble, but got the W at the end of the day, man. So I am continuously impressed by his poise facing adversity. Um, not a huge day passing at all for him. Um, both Q- QBs were uh, right around 58% passing. It was a really rainy day, so it was kind of messy. Um, but that walk-off touchdown, he talked about it in one of his press- pressers. Like, he doesn't show a lot of emotion in the field, uh, on the field. And his, his response is, like, I really appreciate it. It's like, I'm trying to stay in the moment. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy what's happening. But in these moments, you have to stay focused. You have to, you know have that short memory of something goes wrong and you have to be even keeled. I think that was what, you know, Russell was trying to, Russell Wilson was trying to communicate with his whole like uh, Mr. Medium or whatever it was that he was pushing a couple of years ago. But um, I do like that idea, especially in these highly emotional games to, to be able to slow your mind down and stay focused on the things that matter. They prevent that. You know, when you watch a basketball game and it's very close, players start to get frantic. They run up and down the court. It's turnover on the pass or they take errant shots or, you know, they they go in to try and catch a foul and they don't get it. And then they're completely like flailing. You can see that kind of stuff happen on the football field, too. Like the, the moment becomes too big. So for him, being able to slow his mind down. I think it's just fun. He got a lot of confidence. I mean, I mean, I'm an Eagles fan as well. I have a lot of confidence uh, in his uh, ability to, uh, you know, bring that team back if, if needed. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right. Baltimore at the L.A. Chargers. Um, this was Sunday Night Football. I think I'm done trying to figure out Lamar Jackson in this Baltimore team. 
Um, they win uglier, better than any other team in the league, with the possible exception of, of Philly. I just I can't figure these guys out. Lamar Jackson, I still don't see top quarterback potential with him, even though he is a top quarterback. It, it's just whatever brand that he is quarterbacking with, it just is not pleasing to my eye or to what I know about quarterbacking. I look at his numbers and they're not really there, um, but they're winning and they're winning in like these crazy ways. Um, they're just an interesting team to watch. No, I completely agree. Um, I just put down, you know, this is the Zay Flowers show, I guess, kind of. Uh, he catches five balls for 25 yards and a touchdown. Um, and takes five a- balls for 25 yards. But he then he took his only carry of the game also for another uh, 25 yards and a touchdown. Or no, 30, sorry, 37 yards and a touchdown. And the game clinching touchdown. Uh, other than that, the Baltimore offense is very pedestrian uh justin herbert on the other hand only throws for 217 yards of a touchdown also has an interception um he also fumbles he was unable to get a third and fourth down pass off in most cases throughout this entire game he was under massive duress yeah uh he he also fumbles the ball uh loses a fumble along with austin eckler and keenan allen so they're uh the triplets there i went ahead and and just turned the ball over as much as they could uh, well, for, I'll put this out now. Then, game ball goes to the Baltimore defense. Uh, I'd probably give I'd probably give it to them every week until further notice. Three yeah. sacks, twenty four yards, nine quarterback hits, caused four turnovers, and held the the Chargers to less than three hundred yards. Love it. I want to put a little uh, spotlight here on. So <laughs> I was listening to this this uh, other podcast. And I'm adopting this take that the Chargers should petition the NFL for all of their offense to wear the powder blue uniforms and then all of their defense to wear the dark blue uniforms to help them maximize their team's full potential. Because it really seems that this team, it's either a really good defensive matchup or it's a really good offensive or really good defensive game or really good offensive game there. The two shall never meet. Yeah. They got to get that fixed for sure. Yeah. All right. This horrible Chicago at Minnesota Monday night football game. Uh, For some reason, I watched this whole game and was pretty intrigued just because it was so close, so low scoring, like inches mattered in this thing. Uh, Chicago won this game without scoring a touchdown, which is always fun to watch. Uh, Minnesota can't run. Dobbs doesn't didn't have time to throw, and the wide receivers looked pretty incapable of creating separation against this uh, Chicago defensive backs. Um, on the one Minnesota TD drive, it finally looked like a reasonable offense. You know, one of the things that Dobbs sh- showed in the first couple of games was his ability to uh, roll outside and throw the ball, uh, kind of extend the play, uh, run up, you know, get get first downs with his legs and he was able to do that on that one drive but just incapable the rest of the uh, rest of the game yep yep um yeah i was uh pretty disappointed with this game mike uh, i couldn't even believe i watched it uh this was the most disgusting game football game i feel like i've ever seen or close to it anyway ever 
That's yeah, hyperbole. That, that is definitely hyperbole. But uh, Justin Fields is terrible. And if I see one more goddamn meme or tweet um, talking about Seattle should get go get him in the offseason, going to throw up. I'm done. Stop talking <laughs> about it, people. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they just go – They it's uh, field goals and a TJ Hawkinson touchdown are all that we get offensively in this game. Uh, Josh Dobbs has uh, crashed back to earth. You like that, NASA? Um, the astronaut has landed. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he throws for uh, four interceptions. Although two of them were tipped, Jordan Addison took that one right off his freaking hands and just. A couple of them were tipped. One of them was the result of him getting a, a defensive guy uh, in his ear hole, right? As he's throwing, I mean, a lot of it was just him just getting hammered in the pocket yeah. because they couldn't block. Yep. Um, and I know Minnesota's kind of said they're going to reevaluate their quarterback situation over the bye week. So we'll see what what go, what happens going forward. Hopefully they can get get a game plan together that helps Dobbs uh, succeed because I, I do like the story. I like him. Uh, Justin Fields throws for 215 yards. Uh, no touchdowns. Let's let's pause for a second on, on Justin Field because you know I want to go back to Minnesota. We talked about their playoff hopes. Uh, this is my spotlight. They were one in four going into their uh, October 15th game against sh- Chicago and then subsequently rattled off five wins in a row and everything was going their way. Were they six and four in a great position to have that playoff push, if not even win the division? Josh Jobs was brought in halfway through that Atlanta game, um, led him to a dramatic win. The next week, he leads, leads them to a convincing win over New Orleans. Then they hit this wall losing the next two games by a combined three points. Uh, week 13 is their bye, as you mentioned. Uh, Minnesota, they will have to go one and four over their last five games in order to uh, give it a shot in the playoffs. Now, do you think that's even possible? To go one and four? Four and one. Sorry, four and one. I said no, one and four. Absolutely not. No, they're not going. Take a, the, so what do we got? So they have Detroit twice and Green Bay. No, uh, as to. as part of that, yeah. I don't think there's anyone. So sorry, Minnesota didn't work out for you this year. All right, so you were talking about Justin Fields. Yeah, he throws for two fifteen, no touchdowns or interceptions, but he loses two of the worst fumbles I've ever freaking seen, man. Like, hold on the ball, knucklehead. Uh, and those, Who got, and the guy got came, him twice. They both came late in the game, too. That's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, but Minnesota's but Minnesota's terrible offense bails them out. Um, Josh Dobbs uh, or they you know, Minnesota's offense goes like I think three and out after getting that that second fumble and our um, Justin Fields. I think Josh Metellus got him twice. Okay. With yeah, the punch. And, uh, the so anyway, punch. Justin, they, the the Bears defense gets Justin Fields the ball back. He uh, makes a thirty plus yard pass to DJ Moore with under a minute to go in the game to set up the game winning field goal. And uh, yeah. It was just disgusting. Yeah, DJ Moore gets my game ball. 12 to 10. Moved the chains, pretty much. The only one that was moving the chains, 114 yards receiving. I also gave it to uh, Cairo Santos um, from Brazil. Uh, He went four for five field goals, had a long of 55. Pretty good for him. 
Um, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Daniil Hunter. Um, that guy is fast and really good at football. Nine tackles, one and a half sacks, and three quarterback hits. Uh, he, he looked like he was all over the field. A really a real bright spot for that Minnesota defense. Yep. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, man. We did all of this work um, to come to our power rankings. We do this about every quarter of the season. So week four, week eight, week 12. Um, and then obviously we let the, the playoff picture uh, stack rank these guys moving forward, maybe for uh, week 17, post week, week 17, we can uh, kind of give our predictions on the, on the NFL playoffs and who wins what and all that kind of other stuff. But for now, Let's talk about our power rankings uh, post week 12. Um, I have my top four, my Mount Rushmore uh, division. I have number one, Philly, two KC, Baltimore, number three, and San Francisco up one spot uh, at number four. Okay. my uh, We have the same teams, just in different order. I have Philly, uh, Baltimore, San Francisco, and Kansas City. I believe that the Super Bowl will be a combination of these four teams. I don't think there's uh, I don't think it's likely that any other teams get into uh, into the Super Bowl other than these four teams. So bet these matchups if you're if you're listening uh, and write it down. All right. Our next my next division is contenders. Um, this is five through eight. I got Dallas moving up two spots. Jacksonville, uh, the big big mover in this particular division uh, up five Miami down three and then Detroit up one. Um, I really do believe that if we're talking about true contenders, this top eight was what you, uh, what the, the top eight here is the only teams that have a shot at a Super Bowl. Um, so there it is guys. One through eight. What do you have for five through eight? Uh, five through eight, Dallas Cowboys, Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, the same, uh, same four, just in different order. Excellent. All right. Who we got next? A little higher. What was that? Thought you were going to have Buffalo a little higher. Uh, I'm out on, they're just having a lot of bad luck. Their defense is hurt. Yeah. Um, Josh, you know, you know, he could have a spectacular game and they still lose. That's going to be a problem for them moving forward. Um, I do have them at the top of the next division. We got next. So number nine, Buffalo down three spots, Pittsburgh up two spots at number 10, Cleveland up two spots at 11. And then Houston, the big mover here uh, at, at 12. Uh, I got them uh, up eight spots from their previous uh, ranking. All right. I feel like you're going to laugh at my uh, number nine, but I have Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Houston, Cleveland. No, I mean, it's fine. I think the one thing with Pittsburgh is I don't trust their offense yet. Their defense is amazing. I think they have a better defense, obviously, than Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I, I think as a team on paper, Buffalo is a better team. They're just not playing like it right now. There's a lot of turmoil. Um, I think there's a lot of self-doubt on that team. Um, man, they're, they're they, they're dealing with some stuff is my guess over in their training facility this week after looking at the numbers that they put up uh, in Philly, a tough place to play and weren't able to squeak that one out. But no, I, I, 
I would argue you could argue Pitt, Pitt, Pittsburgh's better uh, than Buffalo. So no, no, no shots fired here. Again, our nine through 12, the same, just different, different order. Not bad so far. Uh, my long shots, uh, 13 through 16, I got the Rams up three. Uh, Seattle down six at 14. Green Bay, the biggest climber of uh, my list here, up 11 spots at 15. Uh, really feel like that team's gelling, and Jordan Love looks really uh, just night and day better than he was earlier on the season. And then finally rounding out the this division, Minnesota down two spots at 16. Okay, um, I have uh, 13 Indianapolis, uh, 14 Seattle, 15 Denver, 16 Green Bay. Wow, you put Denver up pretty high, huh? I, You know, I feel like you're just going to keep winning, man. That defense kind of scares me. The variability me. of the turnover margin is just insane, though. That's got to stop at some point, I would think. But, hey, who knows? I actually have Denver in my uh, my Seinfeld division um, at 17 through 20. These are the teams that, you know, get them on the field. They're either you can't predict whether they're going to win or lose. It just depends on what team shows up at number 17 down seven. I got Indianapolis. Um, I've at 18 Las Vegas. I moved them up nine Denver at number 19, also up nine spots and the uh, L.A. Chargers uh, down one so this is you could also call this the uh, AFC West <laughs> stands stands uh, Kansas City. I like it. I like it. Um, so I have seventeen Minnesota Vikings, um, eighteen Atlanta Falcons, nineteen New Orleans. Wow. Seven. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like those guys have to fit in somewhere in the middle of the pack there, and then twenty uh, the Chargers. I think the only reason and 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 and. NFC South team is making a playoff appearance is because they have to, somebody has to win the division, but I, I'd be hard to put any of those teams above, above some of the teams that we've mentioned. Um, I got them in the pretenders. Uh, it's pretty much the uh, NFC South in here. I got, I moved Cincinnati down 11 spots at uh, 21. I think that defense is still okay. And if they can get some sort of uh, production out of uh, Jake and bake, then you know, they might be able to win a couple of games and kind of be middle of the road. Um, so I have Cincinnati down uh, down 11 spots there. I got Atlanta down seven spots at 22. Tampa Bay down one at 23. Rounding off uh, this division is New, New Orleans down seven spots. Okay. I also had Cincinnati at 21. Uh, got the Rams at 22. The Raiders at 23. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 24. Wow, we're going all all sideways here. There's no way Atlanta's better than the Rams. All right, um, let's see here. Right about that. <laughs> Maybe next year division, um, number 25, down four spots. They have Washington. Um, I'm moving Chicago up because they've played a bunch of teams really close over the last uh, – few weeks um even though they've lost a couple of those they've looked really pretty good um so i got them up three spots at 26 tennessee down four um even with the improved quarterback play um at 27 and then the giants and tommy devito up two at uh number 28 all right i have the chicago bears at 25 the tennessee tw titans at 26 the Twitans. washington Washington Commanders at 27 and the uh, 
J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets at 28 just because, you know, I don't know. I feel like they still have a decent defense, and I like their defense more than any of these other teams' offense or defense. So, Yeah, I thought about sliding the Jets in there, but I've, I think I've overvalued um, just their product on the field. So they're at the top of the relegated division at number 29, down 11 spots. Um, I had high hopes for them. I was continuing to hold out to see if they could get in just decent quarterback play, get a couple of touchdowns a game somehow. Uh, they just, just haven't been able to produce that. And conversely, uh, the New York Giants have. They're, they're kind of the same. Um, and they've, they're, they're at least producing some points. So I have them a little bit above. So Jets at 29. I have Arizona. Uh, up one spot at 30 new England. I have them down six spots at 31 and then rounding off uh, the 32 teams, the worst team in the NFL, Carolina Panthers. Uh, Yes, sir. I have the uh, giants Cardinals Patriots and the worst team in the NFL, the Carolina Panthers. There it is. All right. All right, so take corner. I got a couple. Do you have anything? Take corner, yes. Hold on, let me get down. Oh, wait, no. Question of the day. My bad. No, looking forward first. Uh, Broncos at Texans. I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, I just want to see kind of where both of these teams are at. I want to see how that defense uh, of of the Broncos looks against uh, the high-powered Texans offense. Uh, No Seahawks-Cowboys for you? Just to take a peek uh, in that world. 49ers, Eagles, I think, you know, is obviously the game of the week on paper. And then I also, I, I'm interested in the Chiefs and Packers. I want to see uh, how the Packers look um, after, you know, getting a little extra rest. And then, and uh, you know, coming off of that game where they, you know, beat arguably the top four team in the uh, NFC. Um, I kind of want to see that Seattle Cowboys game. This is probably out of these next four four well next three actually this is probably the game that we can steal uh because of the inconsistency of the cowboys get a pass rush on um dak uh put him in these high leverage situations no telling what he's gonna what he's gonna do so interested to see how that goes um as you go down the list there isn't a whole lot of team or matchups maybe dolphins going up against a decent defense can they be tough in that game especially with the injury of Jalen Phillips. So um, we'll see how that works. To your point, Broncos-Texans looks like it's going to be a fun game. Uh, It is in Houston, so there's a slight advantage there. Um, It looks like Houston minus three and a half. uh, So they are the favorites. Got a a field goal there. Field goal in the hook. Um, Browns-Rams, I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. These two teams might be passing in the night. Browns look really bad on offense. Um, we have a shoulder injury to what I believe to be the best, the, the defensive player of the year in Garrett, uh, Miles Garrett. So um, we'll see if that defense can hold up without that, uh, that key player uh, being 100%. Um, 49ers Eagles obviously is something that's prime time watching. I think it's uh, Fox's game of, game of the week. Um, and then Chiefs Packers obviously is going to be a good one as well. I kind of want to see that Bengals Jaguars as well. Just kind of see where the Jaguars are at up against that really good Bengals defense. Um, I know uh, the Bengals are five and six. I think they're a better team than that record. They've just had a lot of adversity and injury, uh, luck, bad luck this year. Um, I think that is a skewed 
um, uh, a skewed record at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, I was jumping all of these guns, so Jeremy's question of the week is next. Mike Parker, has professional football passed Pete Carroll by? Well, I think one of the things that's been good about Pete over the years is his ability to adapt. He has a template for what he wants to run, and I think his defensive principles and who he's type of players he's looking for are, are still pretty sound. I think the, the thing that may be a little bit different that he's taken his time and getting around to is the offensive side. He really likes balance in the running and pass, passing game. Um, I'm not sure we need to get a little bit more creative on offense, I think, um, especially when you have somebody with the speed of DK Metcalf. He doesn't run particularly good routes. Why, aren't, why isn't he in motion like a ton? Because you're going to keep guys in, in in zone all the time. If somebody tries to cross with him on man, he's going to dust him. I, there's just a lot of things I think we can do better than we are. Um, and I don't know if that's a function of Pete not understanding modern offense or whether he's just like, yeah, I trust my guy. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to chew my gum and I'm going to let him call the game. And that's the way it is. And we're going to reevaluate and we're going to, we're going to pump these guys up and we're going to get after it. That's kind of has been his thing. So um, I appreciate the innovation that he's brought to the game um, in, in how they operate a team. Uh, I appreciate his collaboration with uh, John Snyder, uh, the GM. Um, I do like, again, like the, his, his defensive philosophies, um, I just like to see a little bit more modern offense. I hope that answers your question. Mike, you always answer my questions. I appreciate it. Even okay. I don't want to hear your answer all the time. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So that, that, that's a good one, man. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. All take right. So Porter, take, what do you got? Um, QB play is pretty bad in the NFL, right? Um, I'm not sure Caleb Drake may in this class can really make a difference. Uh, teams with great defenses have a chance right now to win it all. And I haven't seen that in a while. Usually at the top of the best teams, uh, you have just a skewed look of what are the, where, which teams have the, the best quarterbacks and which teams don't. Um, I think we're undervaluing skill position players uh, and their effect on game in these types of environments. So one of the things you look at Mahomes, right? Mahomes is a great quarterback, but he can't, he literally can't do it all. So that defense had to step up. They're the top, one of the top defenses in the NFL right now. But those skill positions, they have devalued those positions on that particular team. We'll just bring anybody in because we have Patrick Mahomes and we have a, a good competing defense. And it turns out like you do need people that are above average. You need people that can run a solid route have some decent speed to get it downfield, can actually make a catch. Uh, those things are pretty valuable out there. And I think we spend a lot of time focusing on pass rush. We spend a lot of time nitpicking quarterbacks when what we should really be doing is finding these undervalued skill position players, do-it-all running backs, things like that, your Christian McCaffrey's, those type of players, and 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 – 
the way this is this NFL seems to be kind of on you know playing out, I, there might be some value there. So that's kind of the some of the things I was thinking about around like just watching bad quarterbacks throw a lunch a bunch of picks and just continually being under 300 yards a game. Yeah, well that that goes to one of my my take corner. I was I put uh I think the problem to go back to my take corner from last week about how bad offensive football has been this year. Um I think it's the fact of it is is that there's I feel like it's that there's no elite quarterbacks. Like other than Patrick Mahomes, like I don't I mean there's probably only a handful of franchise quarterbacks when you break it all down. So I think, I think that's a, we're definitely lacking, but to your point as well with the the skill positions, it's, it's, you know, kind of feast or famine right now. The good teams have them, the bad teams don't. Right. Right. All right. Um, my other one, I brought back the Trevor Tracker. I wanted to take a look. He's had a couple um, good games. Uh, week 10 versus Tennessee um, had four touchdowns total. Week 11 uh, versus Houston, 364 yards, uh, two, two total touchdowns, limiting his turnovers. I want to take a look at what his MVP odds were. But as we were getting into the grind of the season, that week six to week nine, I think his odds had, had dropped to like uh, – plus 3000 or something 3,500 and it's back up to 2000. So there's some value there still. Um, now, if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, they were th- uh, three and seven going into their bye week um, and then rattled off. Um, they only had one loss the second half of that season. So there is a formula for this team that they significantly improve over the course of the year and you know Doug Peterson as much kind of flack as he gets for being Doug Peterson he is really good he is a really good coach and he he does know how to get this team uh the ship corrected or the ship righted if you will so I'm I'm really looking for they've actually had a really good first half of their season as well I mean they're eight and three I mean this is probably their one of their best I think they went 15 and one or 14 and, and two, like 20 years ago or something like that. But this has been, this is their best record at this point in the season in a very, very long time. Um, I'm really interested to see if they can compete against some of these big boys Monday versus um, the Bengals obviously is one of those matchups that you really want to, you want to have here. So um, Trevor moving up, the, moving up the, the list here. He looks sharp out there. I'm excited to see where he ends up. Yeah, me too. Me too. My uh, my one other take. Uh, somebody needs to get cocaine, Jim Ursay off of Twitter immediately. Good luck. You need to get Good him luck. out of the public eye. Don't let him do interviews anymore. Don't let him talk about how he was targeted because he was a he's a rich white billionaire. Um, don't let him talk about his black mom. Whatever the oh, fuck boy. that means. I don't. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about, Jim Ursay. But uh, yeah. That's fucking crazy. Um, stop it. Please stop it. That's my that's my hot take. <laughs> yeah, that guy's weird for sure. All right. So uh, diversity, I guess we'll move on. Um, you know, I started watching Hard Knocks. I am such a sucker for this show. Um, we're watching Hard Knocks in Miami. season. Miami Dolphins. Man, I was watching um, episode two. 
yesterday. And just seeing that the bit that they did with Jalen Phillips and how he was playing for UCLA, was constantly getting hurt, gave up, um, gave up on football for two years and then came back with the Miami Hurricanes, uh, the college team, and then got drafted to, to Miami uh, um, to the Dolphins and how he was really working you know, through some of those things and, and working on his craft, him and Bradley Chubb were like working together to make sure that they, they both were progressing in their careers in the right, you know, in the right direction. And to have him have that Achilles injury. I mean, I actually like, as he's going, he's like crying on the field, just like completely devastated. Devast- by that, the was, injury. that was so devastating, man. Seeing that happen. I, I got a little of a clamp in that moment. And I just, I've said this, I said this last season as well. Uh, These are like human beings and just the trials and the tribulations that they have to go through to play this game. um, The focus they have to have. um, uh, Tariq uh, Hill, uh, Tariq, yeah, he he got married over like the bye week or something like that. And he was talking about like he would come home and just, not be the partner that he wanted to be because he, he was so stew. focused on the football. Yeah. He would just stew over like what happened at practice, like what he could do better, like the, all these things. Yeah. And it just ends up being like, it consumes you and you can't be there for anybody else. And those are the types of struggles that like regular people have with their jobs and their, their family and things like that. And it's just um, to have these essentially young men figuring some of this stuff out, at this age, I know Tariq has like a bit of a history when he was coming into the, uh, into the NFL. Um, but it seems like he's grown, matured from that scenario. Um, seems to like to see, I love second chances, man. I'm glad he's he's making the most of it. He seems so like well put together now. You know what I mean? Like, just like he's, yeah, like he's, he's grown up. Like that's what it seems. He's not like, a dipshit anymore like doing dumb stuff yeah it's it really uh yeah mike so for this for a uh, hard knocks in season i went as far um i did this after the first episode and i would have probably bumped uh jalen phillips in this but i went i went uh, i did my power rankings of characters on the hard knocks in season um yeah number number one without a doubt mike mcdaniel gotta be i've never heard uh, a head coach tell their quarterback "Ooh, that's that shit that was the fun like i love mike mcdaniel so much uh he's fantastic number two on the power rankings of characters uh tyreek hill's mother and this is very close she's right there. <laughs> uh number three is tyreek hill for for what we just were discussing uh number four is Tua Tagovailoa. i think he's 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 very uh I don't know, charming or what, I don't know what you want to call it, his character. He, I, I like him. He just seems a nice like a dude. Guy. Just a nice dude. And just then nice uh, dude. number five is the guy who drops his nachos on Tyreek Hill's wife in the first episode. That dude was so smashed. Like, I don't even know who to blame because I, I, he shouldn't, she have, hit, she he shouldn't have been man. standing. He should, but well, he, she hit the, yeah, yeah. She he shouldn't up. be holding on to the nachos. Yeah. You got to have a grip Why, on the nachos, my guy. 
Yeah. You got to have a grip on your nachos. Put the nachos down before you stand up. <laughs> I don't know. You could tell just by my thing was like, he grabbed the napkin and then he was going to go and wipe her arm off. And I was just like, dude, just hand her the goddamn stop. napkin. Just stop. You're crossing the line here, dude. The fact that they had all of that, uh, and they got all that on camera was so great like this is the best show on television mike i wasn't i wasn't sure if you had seen it yet and i didn't want to like i I didn't want to bring it to your attention until after this game just in case you hadn't seen it because i wanted to talk about it but i'm glad you i'm glad i figured you had probably uh already noticed that it was well i had an opportunity i had an opportunity last night um Angie, my wife, was up in in the art room, like painting what is I'll show you it eventually. But it was it looks like an amazing kind of like silhouette of Kurt Cobain. It looks it looks awesome. Um, Anyways, I had a couple hours to kind of sit down and and watch those things to get caught up. I think they air every Tuesday or something like that. But, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I love the show. Um, Yeah, keep it up. And I like watching it like it's happening real time, too. You know, I know that the preseason one does as well, but this has real stakes, real wins and losses that, that get counted. And, and you can goes, watch a team until they're it goes until they're done. That's what I like. About yeah. It. Like we were watching the um, the Arizona Cardinals one. And when it started, they had a chance to make the playoffs and they were playing. And then they went on like a two or three game losing streak. And it all just kind of blew up in their face. Co- coach gets fired. Their GM quits because I think he sexually harassed somebody in in uh, Mexico in the Mexican game. And, and then they fired the offensive line coach. I think it was just like a case of like they thought it they kind of look the same, these two guys. So I I think that's a, we haven't even heard of that yet. It's just absolute nightmare stuff for that team. Uh, But so far Miami is a lot of fun. Uh, Interested to see as the season goes on, how they make adjustments and and things like that. So. Yep. Great show. Let's herd some goats, dude, and get out of here. Uh, My first good is, or my good is Aaron Rodgers is back three months after you know, repairing his Achilles tendon. He is out on the field practicing. I think they're on a 21 day wait uh, where he just practices for three weeks and then they reevaluate after that. We could see him uh, at the end of December quarterbacking a football team in 2023. Um, that would be interesting. I mean, they're out of it, the Jets. So it seems stupid to put put him at that risk at this point. Yeah. But God, God damn it! If he's not some sort of superhero in a lot it's of ways, crazy man. That actually was my good as well. I, I'm I, I had something else, but I put that in there at the last minute just because I was like, huh. you know, seeing him out there throwing the ball around today, it's uh, it's just insane. All right, awesome. All right, my bad. Uh, David Tepper fires Frank Wright. Um, I went on a bit of a rant yesterday, uh, last week around David Tepper, and you know, just you better listen to your football people and stop jumping in to make these rash decisions um, outside of your your wheelhouse. Um, it's just, to me, is the epitome of this rich white dude that was born on third base, thinks he hits a home run, thinks he understands everything there is to know about personnel and people and football and, and all this kind of other stuff. Um, he was one of the key uh, people that wanted to get Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. I mean, at the time, you never knew. But let's look at the map and go, dude's small. He's light. He's short. Those guys don't play very well. We don't have it. We don't have a long history of guys his stature being successful in the NFL over time. 
Um, so just, I and wish he would. How CJ Stroud's playing in Houston's got to like just compound that too, you know? Yeah. So I think what he has to do is you got to, and I said this last week, put people you trust to make those decisions in place. You've done your due diligence. You've hired them. Now effing listen to them. Yeah. And stop firing people. You're already paying Matt Rule like $40 million this year because you fired him too early or you fired him. Now you're firing this guy. Who knows? I wouldn't want to work for this team if I was a head coach. Like I would go, I hell no, I'm not taking that job. What will happen is they'll go offensive. They'll find some offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach or something like that that's young and wants, you know, wants to build that resume to come in. Um, but watch out man, because this guy will throw you under the bus faster than anything. I think the only thing he's worries about more um, than losing football games at this point is his public perception about his ability to, to run this team. So he will, he will blame everyone around him when things are going bad and he'll take all the credit when things are going good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my bad is the Texas A&M Aggies firing Jimbo Fisher. First of all, a grown man. Oh, we got a first of all. We got a first of all. A, a grown man with the name Jimbo. Like, what? What are we doing here? Get your shit together, man. Call yourself Jim. Call yourself James. Call yourself something. I don't care. But fucking, I'm not calling a grown man Jimbo. Anyway, they fired him, and basically, they had to get money from their boosters to write a check for like the seventy-five million dollars they still owe him, and turned around. Hired, uh, by all accounts, hired Kentucky's Mark Stoops. And there was a fan backlash over that. And so then they, and they hadn't announced it publicly yet. They, but in back channels, decided not to hire Mark Stoops and decided to hire Duke head coach Mike Elko. And to me, it's like you spent $75 million to get rid of Jimbo Fisher to hire just a basic, the, the the most basic bitch of college, of white college coaches, white male college coaches, or, you know, whatever, middle-aged white men, college coaches. Well, Bo- at, least, Bomani, at least hire somebody worth a damn. I, I don't know, man. But Monty Jones got into a bit of a, like a Twitter war with several kind of Texas A&M fans. And it's basically his point is it's not a, it's not a premier place. That's not a premier destination. It's, not, um, just have it's a, a secondary school that no one cares about. Right. It's in the middle of and nowhere. I'm pretty sure they just have a lot of money. College stations kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's, it's not, no one wants to really be there of, of any renowned and they're going to have to overpay people to come in. Um, but the problem is they think that they're good. So all they need is this one guy and you, you know, clearly uh, Jimbo just decided that I'm I'm making a lot of money now. I don't feel <laughs> motivated to do the work that I that I was doing at FSU. Um, I got my titles, I got my money. I don't want to go on that scouting visit or whatever. So, um, good luck to to that to that place. Um, Johnny Manziel, God bless him. He he made that made him popular. Got him four or five hundred million dollars, or yeah, to make that stadium to redo that stadium and uh yeah i guess they're out there on their own yeah absolutely absolutely 
All right. Uh, my ugly this week is Robert Sala eating his crow. Um, so apparently the GM and Sala had basically go, I, we like, we like uh, Zach Wilson and we're going to take him second. And I th think he's good. And it turns out like <laughs> they wanted to actually sit him, bench him uh, this year. Right. But um, I, apparently the ownership group was like, no, you made this decision. You you're the one that picked him second pick. You're not going to make us look like like assholes. You're going to put him out there. And you could tell every time it's like, yep, we we're going to put our faith behind him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That whole like rigmarole that they went through for like six weeks. No movement on getting a quarterback quarterback into the room so they could help him. No, nothing. Um and they're like, dude, you're going to have to eat this for this season. And to me, that's not a good look uh, for Sala uh, to be in that position. Man, that's that's pretty rough. I, I don't think he's long for this team. Um, I'm actually not sure he's a good coach at this point. Um, right. So I don't know. I like the guy. He seemed very motivating. One of those guys that can find the right thing to say in those in those meetings I was I was inspired myself in yeah. a lot of those uh hard knock stuff but yeah. man he's 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 had a tough year for sure yeah definitely definitely well uh so to finish up this episode my ugly Mike I hate seeing teams move cities feel bad for the fans we know how it is being you know growing up as Sonics fans here in the northwest and lose. The, the only team I will ever be glad to see move is the Oklahoma City Thunder whenever they inevitably leave that shithole state. Um, but the Oakland Athletics moving to Las Vegas, I just feel bad, man. They have such a diehard group of fans there. I know a lot of people don't show up to the games because the stadium is so just disgustingly bad. But you know, I feel for them there. They just lost the Raiders. Now they're losing Oakland uh, athletics. They lost, I mean, technically lost the Warriors a few years ago when they moved across the Bay to San Francisco. It's just, uh, it's a shame, man, to see that happen. So. Yeah, I guess That's be my, better. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe Oakland's one of those, those cities that are calling to like, eh, we don't want to deal with this anymore. You guys are expensive. You're making us build stadiums. We can't really afford it, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, yeah. Greener pastures for them, I suppose. Um, I have a weird one. So the weird for this week uh, is Mike Daniel. The anecdote about Mike Daniels uh, around like meeting his wife. Did you hear they talked about it on Mike the Daniels, uh, yeah. yeah on the Sunday night football? Yeah, or, I'm sorry, the Black Friday that. game. Right, I did and, hear that. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this whole story the fact first of all the fact that mike mcdaniels goes over to a, a, a player supposedly and tells him you can't dance with her or if you do i'm going to kick you off the team right. i don't that seems very <laughs> weird and, and as if as if she is a you know uh like a diamond or a you know piece of gold brick or something like that to possess it's just such a weird anecdote and we have a dinosaur telling a story about a bunch of cavemen. <laughs> and I didn't understand its context. It was weird that they kind of went like, man, this guy's so cool as, as a response to the you know, winding down. Um, right. Man, this is such a, like, this should have been edited, you know, 
Al Michaels 10 years ago would have been like, I'm not putting this out there. Yeah. He clearly gives no fucks at this point. And it was just really weird. That was strange. I, I did. I, uh, I, I did hear that. And I was <laughs> like, what in the world? Are they like, this is insane. But hey, I mean, uh, he did end up marrying her and having children with her. So that it's his wife to this day. So I, yeah, I mean, but do the ends justify the means, right? That's what I'm saying. I mean, I would hope so. If you got kids and a wife now, like, yeah, yeah but uh, my point is, could could that goal have been accomplished in a in a oh, in a right. different way, right. right? Yeah. All right. I got gotcha. you. All right, man. Wrap it up. Hey, before you wrap it up, please like, listen, rate, review, share all the good stuff. We appreciate it. Jeremy, we're in the dangerous season, right? And every day I'm wrestling. <laughs>